Welcome to Donut Talks. Connecting dots, talks worth having. These are conversations that deepen our understanding, accelerate our learning, and ignite action towards a donut economy. We are Rita Alirejo and Stefan Verveng, two former Accenture Netherlands colleagues who became friends while singing on stage in a company band. La, 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 la. Today, we are independent professionals who connect on scalable learning towards a regenerative and distributive economy, inspired by the book Donut Economics. In this podcast, we facilitate our own learning journey and we hope to bring value to yours. After the massive success of our first series in Dutch, we have decided for this series to summarize and comment on each of the chapters of the Donut Economics book in Dunglish. And in all honesty, it was not really a decision, it's just something we could not escape. Donut Economics has a planetary scope and we need to connect globally. So instead of speaking Dutch, we'll give our best Dunglish a try. Nurture human nature! Chapter 3! Yes, from rational economic man to social adaptable humans. Yes, a very interesting chapter. Yes. Um, With a lot of content in it. Uh, I think it was also one of our largest episodes, listening back to the Dutch version. It was uh, Um, one hour and 15 minutes, but we included some songs. We we included some bonus tracks uh, at the end, which uh, perhaps would be also a nice idea to do uh, in this uh, episode. But maybe we can uh, tease the listeners a little bit because we also had, we talked about some ideas about recording our own uh, version uh, of the Donut Rap. Yep. Uh, giving that we are singers and all, so... Um. <laughs> Therefore, we are rappers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just giving ourselves a challenge and uh, and keep adding uh, those fun elements into this podcast. So. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have to decide what it'll be about. But maybe as we, you know, keep studying these chapters, we, we of course it'll be about Donut Economics, but we should have our own lyrics, right? Oh, so you're really, you're talking singer-songwriter now, you're talking, uh, I thought maybe just do the lyrics and then just do, uh, now. Nah, that nah, would be too simple, of course. Too cheesy. Be... <laughs> yeah, we need our own lyrics. We're Challenge not, uh, accepted. We are already parroting Gabriel Worth and we should now have our own words and be authentic. Okay, but so maybe not a rap, maybe just a song. <laughs> That's even more challenging. Really, doing a rap would be easier. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, perhaps I don't just don't have a, a much infra, uh, much uh, experience with it, but I follow your lead. So um, yeah. Well, so we, we have a model for the rap, right? So, oh. uh, 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 which is the English version of the, with the lyrics that Kate created. But if we now mm. ha- are will be singing, that'll be quite new, actually. So, anyway. Uh, Let's, Let's park that well point. On. Let's park that point. <laughs> Maybe yes. put it on our bucket list, because let's try to keep it a half hour that we yes. promised our uh, our audience. Um, Let's start with Leo, Leonardo. Leonardo, yeah, and his uh, very famous portrait. Yes, he was a Lisa. he was he invented the the art of caricature. Uh, he also did that. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what she mentions as a, as a starting point. 
Yeah, but she course. also mentioned Mona Lisa. So yeah, yeah, because that is that. that is what he is more famous for. But mm-hmm. what he did with caricature, of course, is is amplifying certain aspects of mm-hmm. a human face. Uh, it could be a wart or certain type mm-hmm. of nose, and yeah. thereby, um, well, really um, distorting reality in a funny way. Yeah. Uh, but. But she mentions that because that's uh, t- her argument is that uh, the, the introduction of Homo economicus, uh, a, a central figure in uh, economic theory, the, the atom of, of economic theory, is mm-hmm. basically uh, a caricature. Yeah, a caric- caricature, but also a cartoon in the end, because I yeah. also uh, liked how, sh- how she actually made the distinction between the two, uh, the caric- car- caricature being the highlighted uh, traits of uh, homo economicus, of, of, of men, uh, serving the science again. So we needed this, this smallest unit of analysis. Yeah. Um, but at a certain point, uh, this uh, caricature also gets two godlike traits. And there where a caricature is still recognizable, a cartoon is not. It's just too far off reality. And those, yeah, and it's those. a story, right? I mean, caricature is yeah. a static image, and a car- mm-hmm. cartoon—it's—it's it's a narrative. It's yeah. a story. Yeah, it, it's so far off that uh, she basically said, you know, this this is just not realistic anymore, and we need to get back to a more realistic model that that re- reflects the the complex characters characters characteristics that we have yeah oh, i'm full in donglish mode again so yes. sorry <laughs> well that's how we like it we feel right at home but, but i think what happens with this uh, caricature idea is that and it's, this is something that happens a couple of times in her writing and i think it's very telling for for economics as a field is mm-hmm. that a, a certain way of thinking is introduced mm-hmm. and then that way of thinking uh, shapes behavior and yeah. uh, and uh, starts sort of uh, becomes a sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah uh, and that happens uh, at a couple of mom- uh, points in the book so the, the the tools that we create create us back right uh, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why she introdu- introduces the donut as mm-hmm. an alternative uh, way of looking at economics uh, but this introduction of homo economicus uh, or mm-hmm. rational economic man um, has that same effect mm-hmm yeah, and I'm I'm looking where, uh, where, where who started, <laughs> who did it? <laughs> Was it Adam Smith? <laughs> yeah, Adam yeah. Smith uh, talked about uh, our 70s, ability 70s. to to create markets and the two traits that we have that make markets so efficient. One being that we can truck barter and exchange so we can move products we can barter them we can exchange them and we do so because we have a self-interest we want to uh, move uh, upwards uh, and just fulfill our own needs and so it's really uh, the, the strategy to be most successful in society so that's something that uh, he definitely started and then uh, it was uh, added on by john stuart mill yes he did and it. william stanley jevons <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, stuart mill uh here here we, we, we before we talked about you know economics uh, being an art or a science mm-hmm. here she says that uh when when smith 
uh, introduced a rational economic man. Uh, you could, it could the, the way he described it, it was still you could still consider economics to be an art, but it was not sciency enough, according mm-hmm. to John Stuart Mill. Yeah. Uh, who then? Uh, what did he do? What did he do? Well, he so he was really uh, involved with this political economy idea. So mm-hmm. he he wanted not not to look at the whole set of uh, human uh, characteristics, but just to be concerned with humanity as solely as being someone who desires to possess wealth, and added to it to that has a deep dislike of work and loves luxuries. So this this also evolves then in the utility thinking that uh, Alfred Marshall uh, later introduced. Yeah, and, and but even Mill at the time still said that he uh, or here Kate says he admitted that the resulting depiction was an arbitrary definition of man based on premises which might be totally without foundation, making the conclusions of political econ- economy only true in the abstract. Or, mm-hmm. or it, it's it's a nice theory, but it's not a uh, something. Yeah. It, it's not a, a true depiction of reality. Yeah, yeah, and this is also what she comes back to at the end of the chapter, saying, you know, even these, let's say, founding fathers, had a grasp of that that we were more than just uh, uh, money grabbing uh, creatures, mm. but because uh, they were so useful in one sense for uh, the science part of economics and in the other sense for the for the political effectiveness, if you will, or the political propaganda of e- economics, um, uh, these traits, as in a caricature, were enhanced, and we we lost sight of the the more complex part of our parts of our character, and so uh, we need to get back to that. Yeah, and then even you know, uh, and and further down this path, uh, she mentions Jeremy Bentham, who uh, made an attempt actually to be more um, refined in describing. Uh, the, this idea of utility, which is the, the, the objective of rational economic man, uh, and the, but utility he uh, for the utility he came up with a philosophic philosophic <laughs> calculus uh, yeah. with a classification of fourteen kinds of human pleasure pleasure and twelve kinds of pain that can yeah. be quantified uh, can be quantified. Yeah. And as a basis for creating a universal moral and legal code. I mean, these were people with I, I uh, from, from when I read a sentence like that, I think, wow, the, the, they were really dedicated, I guess, to a certain sense of uh, justice. It seems. I, I, I don't know yet. And that's a, I, I, I thought I, for to me, it more came across as gosh, this, this society thing, this economic Nerds. thing, you know, it's just, uh, let's make it simplified. There must be this, you know, in, in that sense, it was a formula or a model to, in today's words, we would, we might use algorithm, you know, we are still in that process of, we, we, we're trying to capture and understand because we want to influence, right? Mm-hmm. And, and this was, this was um, a way to, to basically, uh, categorize everything that we do into this action has an effect on either a pleasure or a pain yeah. and we try to optimize that yeah so i don't feel like it was really targeted to justice well but, but more it's, it's, to we need to understand and control you know? yeah but it, a control to achieve what 
to to achieve things like uh, you know that, that that comes I think later on in the book as well the whole marketing uh, concept or to achieve. Um, oh well, that's the point. I, I when I read this, uh, mm-hmm. I personally do not believe that it was created with the intent to uh, in, uh, to enslave people. Well, well, I wouldn't uh, say enslave, but to to understand and to by understanding. Because why do we want to understand something? Because we want to be able to do something with it or we want to maybe influence it. I think uh, that that was part of, of this at least. Well, but, that's interesting because that yeah. goes directly to the, the core subject of this chapter, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what, uh, why do we want to learn? Is well, it only for survival? Do, mm-hmm. is it is it can we reduce our, our longing for knowledge to mm-hmm. a basic need for survival mm-hmm. yeah um well i think if i look back at also because chapter one two and three basically belong together if you will or or a cluster in itself you know first she, she sets the economic stage then she introduces the cast and then in this chapter, she talks about the protagonist. And she also actually starts in the beginning, you know, homo economics, so Mona Lisa might be the most famous, but the most influential is homo economicus. Yeah, yeah. Because of this 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 thought that we have, and she also discusses, for instance, uh, the economic study, right? So that it both attracts people that are kind of, let's say, black and white terms, more selfish, but then also they, be- they become more self, uh, yeah. self-interest self focused. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not just that it attracts people, but they also, by studying economics, become more self-centered. Yeah. Uh, so if you if you know that homo economicus has this, this influential... Um, uh, it, this this influence, this impact, the multiply that by ten billion, she says that we will be in the in the in two thousand and hundred, so the the beginning of the next century. Is this is that really the way to go? And so that's why she actually says we we need to rethink now how we see ourselves, what our human nature is, and we need to create a new picture, a new portrait. Actually, she ends the chapter with, we need to create this hologram, if you will, that changes in the light and reflects all these different aspects that we have. And that's, the I feel, the key of this chapter, because when we understand how much of homo economicus we actually are, maybe, maybe not because you have studied economics, but maybe through work or through other all kinds of also like in uh, financial nudges, for instance, that she that she also discusses as a, as a tool. If we are aware of that and we understand that, uh, we might also you know agree that that's not the way going to move forward. We can't keep we can't hold on to that homo economicus thought of humanity. We have to redraw our own picture, analyze our picture, understand our picture. And then draw a new one. Yes, and and, and, uh, and crucially, I think, uh, in a more general sense, that every tool that we create and, and, and these metaphors and pictures and models are tools like that, yeah. they create us back. And, and she mentions a, a very striking example, um, uh, at least a, a, a favorite of mine, is the, the, the introduction of the Black-Scholes model for the option mm-hmm. uh, trading of the st- yeah. the option trading yeah. option pricing yeah, yeah option pricing it's it's a it, it's it's a 
a, a formula that predicts uh, prices of uh, publicly traded options, stock mm-hmm. options. And it, when it was introduced, it was not that accurate. Mm-hmm. But over time, it became much more accurate because the market actors started mm-hmm. behaving uh, uh, in line uh, over, or in, in accordance with uh, the, the predictions yeah. of the model, making yeah. it more, uh, uh, have, uh, increasing its predictive value. Uh, yeah. Even at some point, uh, you know, uh, making it the foundation for award, being awarded the Nobel Prize to mm-hmm. the originators, uh, yeah. Black and Scholes. Yeah. Uh, but I think a very striking example of how tools create a certain reality, and it's uh, and it's a, a something she doesn't use that term, but I think it's it's very common to uh, the heterodox uh, economics uh, field is is the word reflexivity, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that that every every tool you introduce uh, has a uh, it, it creates it 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 shapes us in return. Yeah, absolutely. She does. Uh, she doesn't use that term, but she she definitely uh, describes that effect, mm-hmm. and she uh, talks about uh, several studies where um, you know that, that that comes to light. If you, she also talked about studies where language were used, like uh, consu- where where somebody where, where one group was asked to give uh, to give a reaction, but they were also told that they have the role of a consumer. And another group was given a reaction, and they were told that they have the role of a citizen. Yes. And the, the latter group were were much more uh, uh, broad in their uh, thinking and in their feedback, whereas the consumer group was was just really limited and just seeing themselves as this participants in a market and not so much in a society. Yep. And there you see how how language can indeed uh, be a way of if you control the language, uh, mm-hmm. you, you can have a certain control uh, over possible uh, yeah. lines of discourse. And and after that point about uh, the the citizen reaction study that you mentioned, there she mm-hmm. she starts painting this twenty first century portrait. Uh, starts yeah. to suggest an alternative, and she has five uh, shifts that she introduces. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a good point to uh, in the in the recording to uh, to mention those. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the first is self interest. From, so going from self-interest to more socially reciprocating uh, people. Mm-hmm. Second is moving from fixed preferences to fluid values, moving from isolated humans to interdependent humans, from calculating to approximating, and from being dominant for, uh, to uh, being dependent. And we, it's good to maybe dive into each of them um, more in detail yeah although short <laughs> yeah and uh, right at the start of, of uh, the, the 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 painting of this 21st century portrait she she first uh, makes a uh, a bit of a caricature of the west uh, mm-hmm. by yeah. using a, a, a great acronym called weird. Uh, the weird societies which stands for western educated industrialized rich and democratic uh, in sh- weird in short mm-hmm. um, uh, and that's the uh, the society that you and i live in rita we are weird yeah, people absolutely yeah because you know she, the, these five shifts she says which she also details and she she talks a lot about the research that uh, ma- ma- has resulted in these five shifts uh, it is uh, th- these are mostly research done 
within weird societies. So that's like a, um, you know, a footnote that she she wants to give us. Uh, so there, there she says there are two givens. One, none of us resemble that narrow world model of rational economic men. But two, most closely, these shifts resemble people in weird societies. So if we would have more research, uh, we might see other shifts or we might even conclude that uh, the starting point of the shifts, if you will, is not that much of a problem in other societies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this shift to uh, from self-interest to socially reciprocating... Um, it, it, it's basically sh- about, uh, in my own words, shifting uh, the emphasis towards the cooperative, natural cooperative behavior that yeah. humans uh, display all the time. But it's so mm-hmm. easy to uh, sort of leave out of the uh, of the dominant narrative. For instance, uh, you can see this from examples that people are uh, uh, willing to donate blood or organs to other mm-hmm. Yeah, to and survive. help out, you know, whenever yeah. there's like a crisis or a natural disaster, you see there's just so much, so much generosity in society as well, you know, everybody comes together on bigger scales and smaller scales, I think everybody just, you know, helps somebody uh, carry groceries or open doors, we, we do like to, to help out uh, if people ask us, or yep. even if they don't ask of her, or we see something happening and we can, you know, just step in. I think that's uh, that's a natural, yeah. Yeah, and as she mentioned, Sam Bowles and Herb Gintis here, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who who uh, used the term con- condition- conditional cooperators. So mm-hmm. people are tending to cooperate so long as others do too. Yeah. Uh, but they also introduce the term altruistic punisher. So they're ready mm-hmm. to punish defectors and free riders, even if it costs us personally. Yeah. Yeah. And here she did mention that this is typically like, especially in the weird societies, you know, using the illustration of the ultimatum game, mm-hmm. where you, uh, you, a proposer and an acceptor have to divide a certain sum of money, for instance. That uh, in a weird society, the the average is around forty five percent to propose. So you say, if I am a proposer, I say you can get forty five percent of what I uh, of what we can share, and but the cutoff point is twenty percent. So if I if I would say I keep eighty percent, I give you twenty, the the acceptor says no, resulting in both parties having nothing, which is uh, in actual actual theory in itself would be illogical. So this ultimatum game actually clearly shows that we are not rational because as an acceptor, I would a rational acceptor would accept even 1% because 1% is more than zero. Uh, so, but the, this idea of fairness or, uh, that we have uh, is very strong in the weird societies. And she also makes the link with uh, how the interdependency, so how if an, a society is more interdependent, uh, uh, the proposal actually actually gives more to the acceptor than when a society is less interdependent. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, a quite interesting. Moving from fixed uh, to fixed preferences and fluid values. I, I two fluid was, values, yeah, yeah. Two, mm-hmm. two fluid values. Mm-hmm. I thought that was also super interesting chapter. Yeah. Uh, and I think you, she, she also starts with introducing, you know, we are not rational in a sense and we are not sovereign customers uh, who just 
rationally think only uh, look only at uh, uh, product information, price, and the income that we have. We have uh, underlying values uh, that uh, that trigger us or that um, uh, influence our decisions. Yes, so which are yeah. played by, uh, um, you know, the, the people that create commercials uh, mm-hmm. know all too well uh, that, yeah. the, you know, that the, tapping into these value systems is, is a way of influencing, influencing consumer behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, and she also introduced in this chapter the uh, Shalom Swartz uh, clusters of basic personal values, mm-hmm. which uh, I found also very interesting. And, you know, um, just, I don't know if we should repeat all these clusters, maybe just uh, the axis. So mm-hmm. it's about, uh, on the one hand, openness to change uh, versus uh, conservatism and self-restriction, and the ox- other axis being uh, self-transcendence and self-enhancement. Mm-hmm. Um and we move, uh, she says, this, this model basically works. Uh, ha- we all have that. We, we, there's not like, you can't say I'm, I'm definitely in this quadrant and not in the other. We, we are always in every quadrant in different degrees. Um, these, these things can be engaged or can be triggered, for instance, with uh, advertisements. Uh, we, we can change within these quadrants. Uh, we can switch between, uh, depending on the social context or the roles that we have uh, within a day or even within a, within a lifetime. And, and also they are like muscles. So perhaps if you are in, inst- in, in one instance not so willing to change, this might, this might again change over time or even in, in another role. And I, th- I thought this was also kind of a, a nice uh, model to understand more about human behavior, but perhaps also to use going forward uh, on how we can maybe nudge uh, people more in, uh, in behavior that is uh, uh, helping us move into the, the donuts safe and just space. Yeah, starting with ourselves. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what an idea to... Uh, to nudge people um, like that, uh, uh, right? I mean, <laughs> talking about control. Uh, yeah, talking about control. I mean, she, she. Uh, I think she invites a lot also to 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 really think about your own power and your own empowerment. Mm-hmm. I think one nice example of that is that she also touches upon the difference between extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation. You know, all these policies and nudges are very much related to the extrinsic motivation, right? So we we only come to action, we only start doing something if if this carrot is dangled in front of us. Whereas if we if we work more to, more towards what is intrinsically intrinsically motivating us, you know, what what are our values? Then that's that's actually a potential that's 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 super super large and and o- uh, so, uh, often also more sustainable. You see with the different tests uh, and studies that she mentions, there where people used a notch or a financial incentive that actually broke down the yeah. moral compass, if you will. And whereas we the people were just asked to solve a problem together, that actually strengthened the cooperation and was also more durable in as an initiative yep yep actually introduce quantifying behavior can actually uh, destroy the the authenticity of uh, natural behavior 
Yeah. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, good to mention that the Swartz uh, circumplex, the value circumplex, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, it was researched as a as a uh, an instrument that's supposed to be um, valid across uh, cultures. Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, in, uh, good to mention. Yeah. Um, and and as a side note, um, <laughs> I I was in a workshop last week about uh, applying blockchain um, or how, how uh, blockchain affects uh, organizational logic. Mm -hmm. We did a couple of uh, scenario brainstorms in three groups. And it was kind of interesting that we had three groups in parallel just uh, doing the same brainstorm. And you mm -hmm. have to come up with these axes that define the scenarios. And the three groups interdependently, but without discussing, they, uh, they each chose one dimension to be uh, the intrinsic extrinsic motivation uh, kind of thing or in dutch more mvo oriented maatschappelijk mm -hmm. ondernemend uh, mm -hmm. ondernemend georiënteerd or mm -hmm. more uh, personal gain uh, profit oriented mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and that orientation was both uh, you know from uh, not so much uh, uh, what, what's the english word for mvo Corporate social responsibility. Uh, CSR. Ugh. CSR. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's say CSR plus on the right, mm. CSR minus on the left, and each mm. of these of these three groups had the same axes from left mm. to right, uh, mm. horizontal. Uh, this exactly the same, and this was mm. not discussed before. So it's mm. sort of it's it's telling for how deeply ingrained uh, the, the, these. Um, these value sets uh, mm -hmm. and even the way we we draw them uh, mm -hmm. you know how, how deep that is embedded in, in culture yeah. I I, yeah. I really hate it. I was laughing internally uh, <laughs> when I saw that happen I was like wow yeah absolutely yeah anyway yeah it's interesting I, I, I love the because I, I just know also so little about it so it was just nice to to read it in this chapter all this all these all this thinking around psychology behavior uh, it's a world in itself. Um, oh yeah, and super super interesting. Yeah. So also when you yeah. sorry yeah go ahead. Well, well, I was just thinking uh, if if we move on to the third uh, shift yeah. uh, from isolated yeah. to interdependent. Mm -hmm. um, let's see what we what we have there. Um, well, there I think she introduces networks. Mm -hmm. You know, she moves from this. Okay, we're from I. We're we're not isolated. We are all part of networks, and within that network, you know, she we we sometimes are a little bit like sheep. We follow each other. It's also part of our natural behavior that we have these social norms. We we tend to do what we we think other people expect from us. Uh, you know, if we if we are fearful or in doubt, we tend to go with what the crowd does. So, um, yeah, that's, all, I think, also something that we should acknowledge. Uh, so she also talks about things like conspicuous consumption, keeping up with the Joneses, uh, the lifestyle effect and the trickle-down behaviorism. Uh, so, for instance, uh, you know, a lot of people are living outside of their means now because we all look up to the Kardashians and want to have as many cars as Kylie, Kylie Jenner, <laughs> mm. uh, to, to just give some popular examples, maybe. Not in my case, by the way, uh, just uh, ah. uh, as a disclaimer, totally not interested in that. But you but that, are that aware. it is what happens. I am yeah. aware, and yeah. I, I do see it. I think it is 
a huge influence, of course. I mean, if we, if we just take the Kardashians as an example, mm. on social media as a family, I think they have just together so many followers. Some societies you know. are weirder than others. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps. But but in any in any group, uh, even small, you have social influences and you know when we mm -hmm. uh and when i listened back to our dutch uh, conversation uh we talked about this for instance i i also mentioned you know you also put your examples you know because we talked about trickle down yeah uh, behaviorism and it, it's kind of feels like top down again and is this a, is this a good uh, a good language but sometimes you put your you put your heroes also on a pedestal, right? So they become they it becomes a little bit top down. And it's a um, way of dealing with complexity. I mean, you yeah. uh, if you have to if if you get so many signals for, uh, mm -hmm. from the world, yeah. uh, you know, your the the brain needs certain points to focus on and uh, to and, and yeah. to build coherence right oh, otherwise yeah. it's just noise yeah. it's just exactly yeah. yeah i am so happy that we live in a society where uh, knowledge is, is distributed and you and you can access it in quite an easy way i wouldn't i couldn't imagine you know still living in a world where you have to find out everything by yourself or you know uh, invent uh, the wheel again over and over and over it's great that we can stand on the shoulders of others and we can uh, reuse the knowledge of others or knowledge is shared in itself. I mean, again, Donut Economics as a book uh, for me is, is a blessing because it's just such a good structure and it, it brings so many, many things of what I'm interested in together. So, yeah, fortunately, we have a network. Yeah, yeah a network is, is very good. And I, I don't think she, she definitely doesn't uh, say a network is bad, actually. It's more acknowledging that we are part of a network and and then go yeah. moving also to to chapter four later on when, when we will talk about systems uh you know once we once we understand the network and system dynamics better uh, we can also um, uh, use it to our advantage if you will to uh, to create this donut space together yeah, and I think on a yeah. personal note, uh, also you know, in keeping with this idea of that tools shape us back, I think mm -hmm. uh, a personal note here is that uh, you know, be uh, be mindful of who you choose as a role model. Yeah, yeah. Right. And <laughs> always, I feel, and always keep a critical mind. You know, mm -hmm. understand that somebody is a role model. Understand that you are. In, in, in one uh, on the one hand grateful of course for all this curated content already mm -hmm. but but also keep keep true to yourself and and always uh, keep an open mind and be uh, and and welcome other insights yep. uh, welcome other perspectives and don't be afraid to change opinion. Yep. So within the Kate's network, speaking of a role model here, uh, mm -hmm. she works with uh, Mariana Mazzucato. Um, also, mm -hmm. I've started to listen to uh, the audiobook uh, "The Value of Everything," mm -hmm. and I think it's interesting also to mention here that what she uh, one of the aims in that book is uh, for her to uh, sort of foreground uh, again the value theory th mm -hmm. theory in economics. So it ha value theory is a part of economics that has been around for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's sort of, you know, uh, it was pushed on the side. Uh, but uh, this whole idea of price determining value uh, instead of value determining price mm -hmm. is, is a critical point in her, um, 
in her book, and it's part of the network that Kate is in. So I, I, <laughs> I was wondering if I was going to mention Matsukato, but I think from isolated to interdependent, uh, maybe this is a <laughs> good point to mention her. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think also uh, it's, uh, it's uh, with uh, the fifth shift, so maybe we, yeah. we can come back to that uh, later on. But there she also says that we need to explore uh, our economic selves beyond money, mm-hmm. right? Um, because we're just so uh, used in a sense that we everything has to be priced and everything has to be quantified, but mm-hmm. sometimes you can't do that, and we need to be become comfortable again in that space beyond money. So, but first, uh, number four from mm-hmm. calculating to approximating. Yeah, rule of thumb, heuristics. Heuristics and uh, the biases that we have, which was yep. one of the songs that you added to the to the right. Dutch pod, <laughs> podcast. So um, yeah, the yeah, bias song. A, exactly, there's like a whole list of biases. So oh yeah, a key key message I think in this part of the book was we are not rational. <laughs> far from it. Far from it. Far from it. So uh, you know, just one uh, a few examples like uh, the cognitive bias. Um, uh, cognitive bias, the deviation of ideal model of rationality. I've I've written here, but yeah, like uh, you mean in, uh, examples of of cognitive bias? Yeah, ex- examples. Yeah, of like availability bias. bias uh, yeah. So the yeah. decisions on the basis of more recent and or more accessible information, loss yeah. aversion, strong preference to avoid a loss rather than make an equivalent gain. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et there, there's a whole bunch of it, and she refers to uh, a Wikipedia page, and I saw you've yeah. included it in the wiki. Yeah, I think yeah. over a hundred and sixty biases. Yep. So if you want to entertain yourself, go to our wiki page, and you can find a link to that, or go to wiki directly, of course, but, uh, <laughs> and just Rita, search bias. Rita, I'm a bit alarmed now because now we have uh, just like uh, we had with our uh, the friend Jeremy Bentham. Mm-hmm. Uh, who made an effort to, uh, you know, uh, calculate uh, our um, h- how we uh, all all types of pleasure <laughs> and pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we have hundred and sixty types of um, bias. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. there there must be a control uh, reflex going on here. Is it a control bias? <laughs> I'm pulling your leg here. <laughs> <laughs> No, but really, I mean, why why list all these biases? Awareness, I feel. That's how okay, I see okay, it. Okay, good. Know, just no evil intent. Just aware of, uh, you know, you're, you're not rational. Actually, later on in the chapter, it's also stated as a question that perhaps we as citizens or people are just uh, incompetent. <laughs> Yes. Are we even capable of making decisions? And that's, that, uh, that's when, when heuristics comes to play and... You know, it's good to 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 listen t- to these rule of thumbs, or uh, maybe that that, that are um, incorporated uh, with time in our in uh, what we may call intuition, or just our for first uh, reaction. Uh, they actually studied that that working along these heuristic rules can actually be more effective than starting from scratch and then uh, uh, organizing all types of input to uh, to to get to a, like a more calculated decision. Yeah. Heuristics work, 
Yeah, and the the the, the sheer amount of energy uh, your your brain would need to consume to calculate, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, all yeah. uh, all the, uh, the 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 possible yeah. scenarios based on all the information yeah. that that enters the brain, uh, you know, you you it's it's I it would does, shut doesn't down. Add up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> we we filter uh, inca- everything that comes within our senses. Uh, yeah, uh, the yeah. brain constructs its own reality from that. Yeah. Um, we're hallucinating most of the time, as far as I uh, understand current cognitive really? science. Yes. Yeah. Well. <laughs> wow. Oh, there are many. Uh, you know, with optical illusions and yeah. and and, and yeah. Well, any any sense, uh, human sense can be sort of tricked, right? The brain mm. makes all sort of assumptions all yeah, the time. True. True. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. That's right. Anyway, so but but coming back to the to the title of this uh, this section, so we are not calculating. No. You know, we there's there's a lot of uh, maybe uh, unconscious things happening as well. We well, we, uh, we, I, oh, sorry, we, we, it's not that 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 we're not calculating, uh, mm-hmm. but but we approximate, uh, and that we that approximate. Is, we, yeah. we we so there is some calculation involved, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. it's. You know, let let the computers calculate. Humans uh, approximate. Approximate, yeah. 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 That's one. And then finally, we have from dominant to dependent. Mm-hmm. It also ties it back to what I think is a major theme, of course, in the in this whole book, the ecosystem, and that mm. we are not on top of the or at the pinnacle of uh, of nature as a pyramid, but we are embedded within this living system. Yes, and I, I started collecting some quotes uh, from the chapter in the wiki. Mm-hmm. I hope to do that more for the upcoming chapters. But for, for this part, I came across one from Francis Bacon, mm-hmm. uh, an old quote. Who He said, let the human race recover that right over nature, which belongs to it by divine bequest. <laughs> or you know, uh, it's it's our God-given right to rule over nature. Yeah, we are the boss. Well, if we would do it responsibly, I mean, it's 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 not always bad. But if you, you know, it's like with 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 great power comes great responsibility, right? That's also a quote, <laughs> Spider-Man, I believe. <laughs> but, ah, great. <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I feel. You know, also this whole discussion about Holocene and uh, Anthropocene mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with with uh, the uh, people who say it is the Anthropocene because we are the determining race in this epoch. Uh, we should we should have uh, uh, a responsibility and accountability to match that, right? And that's something that we need to work on the awareness of that we have that impact, the acknowledgement that we have that impact, so we can direct that energy towards uh, yeah. the good, towards the whole ecosystem. Yeah. And that's a very, the, 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 the word Anthropocene in itself is a very mm-hmm. powerful frame adopted by uh, science to yeah. uh, basically get over the, the, the debates about whether or not uh, certain climate effects are man-made, yes or no. Yeah. It basically yeah. says we've moved beyond that point yeah. We are in the Anthropocene. Now yeah. let's discuss how things are now that we are in this era, right? But yeah. but it's a really a way of ending that debate by, by yeah. labeling. So the word exactly. Anthropocene is not yeah. entirely uh, without political charge because mm-hmm. not all uh, political factions adopt that frame. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I think it's very interesting, but it's Yeah, super it's an powerful. interesting debate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, here, the power of words, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think uh, uh, Charles Eisenstein uh, was mentioned uh, it, when we did the Dutch uh, recordings. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's okay to to recall him here. He's yeah. a sort of a rising star, uh, I guess, as a, an mm -hmm. ecological writer, and he has some very specific uh, language. Uh, he he writes here that. Um, uh, here, for the ecological writer Charles Eisenstein, it is time to recognize ourselves as, quote, the connected living self in co-creative partnership with the earth, unquote. Yeah. So, in other words, we are nature, right? But we are Yeah, we are nature. Yeah. I also uh, liked that uh, at a certain point, Kate Wright, it's like fish searching for a word for water, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> we are like the fish and we're just wondering, you know, what is what is this thing that we are embedded in? What is this? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we found out for oxygen and CO2 and all the rest of it. Yeah. So yeah. I guess we 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 have come a, a, a long way. We've come way. a long way. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then, so those are the five uh, shifts that she she sees. And then she, uh, with the, with the last few sections, she had uh, she has a few extra comments, if you will, when it comes down to redefining uh, our picture of humanity. And one thing that she wants to note is that uh, in her chapter, in her sub uh, chapter, markets and matches handle with care. Again, she discusses here that we need to be careful uh, about always trying to monetize things, you know, and yeah. always trying to price things. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is also like a, a gentle critique, if you will, to uh, what you also see in terms of lingo uh, in economic and business science. You know, we even with social enterprises, again, with the word, oh, uh, you know, social initi initiatives, they have to be an enterprise. There needs to be a business model. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there, there needs to be a price. And I'm all for a making this new economy bigger and, and, and voting with my energy and my dollars as well. But I do feel in this chapter, at least for me, it was also a call to not be so hasty with, with using this old lingo and, and applying this in, uh, in this new system that we are creating, but also uh, makes, uh, make room and create space for more, the, for, for other uh, value sets or for other ways of uh, communicating and uh, cooperating with each other. You know, I, in that sense, I, I love that, that still uh, volunteers and the volunteering sector is so big. You know, I think, uh, again, that it's just people that, that, that are passionate about a certain area or topic or a certain uh, group of people and just want to help out. Let's not always you know uh, try to uh, price that yeah let's, let's work with what what people want to do because they are intrinsically motivated yeah yeah and you can get very weird uh, effects from uh, putting prices on, on yeah. uh, helping behavior uh, a good example is the uh, is a platform that was introduced in the netherlands for um, mantelzorg so mm -hmm. uh, you know caring for uh, people in your neighborhood or, or, or family, or family yeah, yeah, in your spare, unquote, unquote, mm -hmm. spare time. Um, uh, and, you you know, there, there, there are these platforms where you can sort of, where can people can ask for help and people mm -hmm. can offer help. Uh, and one idea was to introduce a sort of an alternative currency for that. But mm -hmm. when, when we did some research uh, on that, it actually turned out that people were quite offended uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, rewards were being offered yeah. Uh, uh, for providing help, 
uh, it really sort of negatively affected their motivation, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. which is, uh, I guess, in a way, hopeful. <laughs> mm -hmm. But but also it makes them less uh, controllable, right? Uh, yeah. the, the, those volunteers. So yeah. it, it gets much more and, and and process is much more lengthy. You know, I feel this this whole rush in a sense. I'm sorry, I do understand the urgency, but you also have to be patient in. In uh, in really getting people together, you you can't have a yeah. script, you can't have a, a perfect plan and a perfect execution, if you will. Again, that's all thinking. You really have to also make the space more, you know, like the Otto Scharmer method. Just you know, really be in a group, be conscious, be together, and see what emerges. You know, see what see what wants to happen. Uh, and we are still very, and I also see it in myself sometimes too still very you know too too haste too hasty mm. uh, in what we want to achieve so i think we should really be mindful of that yeah yeah um and Oof. then she goes into tapping into nudge networks and norms yes. which for me was was really just like a read through and just with examples and 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 mm -hmm. uh, reiterating again the importance of uh, you know, working with underlying norms and values such as duty and respect and care. Yep. Uh, you know, we, we are much more motivated by the values that we have, the identity that we have, uh, social contracts that we can make. It's not all about uh, financial uh, incentives. And also the just the simplicity and also the enablement that digital technology brings us, for instance, just reminders with text. Uh, you know, just reaching out uh, to each other again through either through digital technology or directly uh, can be more effective and more durable uh, if you want to uh, create certain movements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after these examples, she she starts introducing some ideas of her own of you know what uh, if you would draw uh, the twenty first picture of um, human nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, or a new picture portrait of humanity, as she calls it. She has some yeah. preparatory sketches. Uh, yeah, she, which she came up with uh, working with groups. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. not necessarily yeah, yeah. her ideas, but talking about this topic uh, within many groups, there were like three archetypes that, that emerged, right? Yeah. Uh, humanity uh, as a community, as yeah. sowers and reapers, and as acrobats. <laughs> yes. But I also like then what she introduces, the humans as the uh, octopus, like mm. that's our collective spirit animal. So okay. an octopus can have many different, has of course many different arms, just like us, we have many different roles in relation to the economy. We're, we're not just consumers, we're also citizens, we are neighbors, parents, teachers, we are, we are a lot of different roles. And from those roles, we have a lot of different perspectives. And like an octopus, we can also change color, shape and texture texture to reflect our mood wow i missed that part i like you it. missed it yeah i like that yeah yeah, yeah. i like yeah, it a lot great. there are some yeah. great videos of, of octopuses uh on the web okay of, of cool. changing colors and it's, yeah. it's amazing they are oh, alien wow. they really are alien <laughs> or we are i don't know but 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 we're not quite the same uh, but boy, it would be interesting to be an octopus. Yeah. <laughs> it would. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put a link to that on our wiki then. That mm -hmm. uh, sounds amazing. I need to look that up. And so, you know, starting from Homo economicus uh, in the beginning, she also mentions here different homos. That yeah. we could be maybe a homo uh, heuristics or a homo reciprocans or a homo altruisticus 
our homo socialis. Um, there's just uh, all these different as aspects to research further and to reflect yeah. on and to uh, draw together. And so then again, as I mentioned before, she closes with this idea of perhaps the hologram of humanity. So it's not a flat thing. It's a 3D, th 3D image, a 3D yeah. Uh, Maybe we should have a Latin uh, Latin term uh, for that too, hologramus. I don't know, <laughs> but, but she says, well, <laughs> yeah. you should make it Latin to make it sound science. Yeah, to right? make it to make it more sound credible, very yeah, yeah, very, uh, powerful. So Homo hologramus. <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> so we can keep that one. Yeah. So yeah, gosh, we managed to talk for about fifty minutes again. Way too long. <laughs> when will we learn, Vita? I think, when uh, will we learn? I think I'm the culprit. Uh, I, I, I started talking too much about personal stuff, I guess. You, you really uh, stuck with know. the script. That's good. I can, I can rely on you for that. <laughs> well, but I do think, as we mentioned at the beginning, this is a very... Uh, a very deep chapter, I feel. Mm -hmm. And also very important, you know... Uh, I think it, it also stands out, I think, when I mean, you compare it to the other chapters, because mm -hmm. it does put us as humans so uh, uh, so on the center stage. So really uh, a very nice chapter to read through, you know, even standalone, super interesting. I think all the chapters standalone are also interesting. So definitely would recommend uh, reading this one. So bucket list time. No. What would you what you what would you pick as something to um, dive deeper into? Oh, with regards to human nature. Yeah. Wow. Well, okay. Yes, I have. Uh, I was thinking about that. Um, actually, now having uh, since it is the the second time we're we're doing this is a recording, uh, mm -hmm. and thereby reading it again and all that. Uh, what stood out for me is that a more abstract notion is emerging, even in this episode, is that mm. uh, reflexivity. So mm. uh, our tools and our role models, etc., uh, our language shapes us back. Uh, mm. That as a starting point, as a tenet, you know, whatever you do, mm. keep in mind that this is what happens. Uh, I like to explore that more because I think if, if I would do a presentation on, on this material or any other material, mm -hmm. I think I uh, would like to start with that anyway, mm -hmm. because yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a, uh, introducing a, a certain kind of mindfulness about, mm -hmm. you know, we are introducing a model or a way of thinking here and it'll, yeah. it'll shape us back. And yeah. I'd like to de dive into that more. I know George Soros, he's somewhere in this book, uh, he's mentioned in this book, um, his theory of reflexivity is based on this. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, I'd like to dive deeper on that. Oof, it'll mm -hmm. be on the bucket list. I, it, it's not something for the short term, <laughs> I think. It's, but it's, it's, it's abstract. It's, in a way, it feels like it's a subject, it's, it's one abstraction, level of abstraction higher. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's sort of intriguing, I guess. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's me. How about you? I find it really hard. I, again, I, I wrote down reflexivity in my notebook because I, I, I do feel, uh, you know, uh, it, it would be a good uh, addition. I don't, I don't know anything about it, so I'm just really interested uh, in um, how it could add to all this, uh, this content that we already have and how you explain it uh, sounds, uh, it makes me curious. So definitely would uh, 
uh, concur with that, put it, putting that on the bucket list. And I'm just uh, going through my notes now and seeing, you know, if there's anything else at the moment that I would really want to dive into. Um, perhaps, perhaps... Um, Um, well, something that, that I found inspiring, in a sense, it was a, short, it was a short description, a very necessary one. To me, I feel also moving forward, you know, it was this, I, I talked about this also in the chapter in, uh, episode in Dutch, uh, where she uh, quotes this uh, Indian chief mm -hmm. that talks about relationships, you know, so if we, if we look at how can we work more on our consciousness uh, that we are embedded in this living system? You know, if you, if, you, if you tell it like that, it's something, yeah, it's something like, oh, yeah, of course we should, but we are not, <laughs> you know? And so I'm really interested also, of course, because I work with education, I work in the educational field, and I'm always trying to um, find ideas on how to program uh, things for schools and kids to... to get them more engaged with the topic of circular economy, donut economics, uh, the ecosystem we live in. So I would really want to dive more in how can we, what, what, what should we do to, to um, really be able to reconnect, really reconnect and not just talk about it and not understand, just understand that we need to do that, but how will we actually do that? That would be on my bucket list. So I, I wrote down uh, for you, uh, explore indigenous wisdom about mm. uh, nurturing relationships. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Thank okay. you, Stefan. Thank and, you. And I'd like to add that I, I may have a starting point for that uh, with the uh, medicine wheel. Oh, uh, that sounds cool. Which is a Native American tradition uh, for, yeah. for in, invoking wisdom councils. Wow. Which is also a yeah. way of connecting up uh, m multiple generations. Oh, uh, fantastic. Yeah. Anyway. Oh. Uh, yeah, wow, perfect. Could be perfect. interesting to explore. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, too long. Let's keep it within an hour and uh, just close this episode. I hope you uh, enjoyed it just as much as I think we enjoyed talking yeah. during this hour. Again, thank you so much, Stefan. I so enjoy our talks. I'm really happy that we're also recording this and that, you know, that just recording it as well and listening back, reading again really helps. Um, the learning journey for me a lot so same for me too again. so let's yeah. shut this down before people uh go like yeah 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 stop yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay well bye bye bye, <laughs> bye, -bye. <laughs>